You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. Hello. Oh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello, all, and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking excellent. I'm Holly Morgan. I'm obsessed with divas. My husband Tom is also here. We're giving them what they love. And we are joined once again with the incredible, adorable, wonderful Anushka Lucas. Yay! Hey. Um, I'm adorable. Thanks. You are adorable. You are. It's a great Thanks. adjective for you. I'll take it, and then let's not sit in it for too long. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll hit you some other adjectives. Sing, or are these nouns? I don't know. Grammar. Singer-songwriter. Definitely a noun. Noun. Composer. Definitely also a noun. noun. And, and actress and leading lady. All nouns. Yeah. This is a new fun game. Noun or <laughs> what, Holly can't think of adjectives? English tutor. Uh, <laughs> Available for your Available 11 plus students. For your, your needs. <laughs> A very exciting news. Anushka will be reprising her role in the Olivier nominate award winning? Award winning? Olivier award winning, yeah. Production of Jesus Christ you Superstar. Everything. Guys, the actual real life theatre happening in your face. Actually, it is. It's responsibly distanced from <laughs> Not your too face. Close to your face. In Regent's Park, incredible production. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to go to work. Oh my God, it's going to be so good. Imagine. Um, yeah, it is. I think it's going to be, well, I, I hope it's going to be so good. It's it's going to be the strangest thing because it's like going back to a job, yeah. which definitely exists in its own right and functions, but in these very different circumstances. Sure. And everyone also, I'm like so aware that I and everyone has had a four months break. Yeah. So we'll see how the, how the stamina pans out there should be an exciting rehearsal period for everyone amazing we were talking actually before we got on the call because tom doesn't know jcs as well as you and i both do i'm glad for you tom yeah you are well you're gonna go and see it and you'll you'll, you'll discover it anew and we were talking about the fact that as a tale it's a dick fest there have been many conversations in my house about this in the last 24 48 hours Mm. Two excellent women, a composer and a woman who works in tech. And um, the composer knows the show inside out and the girl who works in tech doesn't know it at all. We're talking about it. And yeah, well, you know, one of the things, one of the things that's come up actually, so they've double cast all of the lead roles this time around. Yes, I saw that. I'm doing half of Mary and a really brilliant woman called Mamuna Memon is doing the other half of Mary. Incredible. yeah, it is. And it's, but it's really incredible because I played that part in 2016 and then she played that part in 2017. And it's the only female part in the show. Yeah. And there are like 10, 11 male parts or kind of solo lines. And so when she took it over, there was a lot of, like very gently, but there was a lot of people being like, oh, does that? does that feel weird for you? Do you feel, do you feel threatened by her? And then she had a lot of people being like, oh, is it weird following Anushka? Like, ah. must be so weird that she, and I came to see it because I had loads of mates in it. And they were like, oh, I must feel so awkward for you. And both of us, she's also a composer. You should have her on this podcast. We should, love to. But 
both of us were like, no, I don't feel threatened by this other woman who's also good at the same stuff that I do. I feel delighted that there's multiple versions of us who can do different interpretations of this. And so also nice about this one is we're both getting to do it at the same time. I love that. And it feels really, and we kind of like, we're going to share it. And it feels, for me as a woman and as a feminist, it feels better. Yeah. And when you kind of show up and and you're, you know, and there are women in the ensemble, but when you're the only female lead, it's a, it's a combination of like a responsibility and also there's a, a certain amount of guilt that comes with that. Because yeah. you're like, feel bad that there aren't more female parts. <laughs> yeah, but not your fault. But Not my fault. Not- and also I'm being, I, I don't know how much I should say that because I'm obviously enormously grateful to be working and the show is so silly and so fun and so joyful apart from the crucifixion of Christ (laughs) um real downer hey it had an upside (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um well wait I don't want to spoil it for Tom because he hasn't seen it but (laughs) no I know what happens don't (laughs) worry But I kind of, one thing they do with JCS, which I've always thought is quite ballsy, is it's set around the last three days of his life. And then it just ends with the crucifixion. And you'd think like that maybe they'd go through to like him rising again, but they don't. It's just oh, the end of it if he dies. There's no twist. No. Oh. You get, you get the big number. It's like watching The Sixth Sense until, well, he's no just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a guy hanging out with a kid. <laughs> But you know what? This might be a, might be a thought for another time. I don't know, but it's interesting. To, I think I, I really love what you're saying about this. I think it's it's you know we also this piece of music was written a long time ago. It was written in what, what the early seventies and yeah, and also as my as my friends who were massive. I mean, I am a big Jesus. I I love Jesus Christ Superstar, but as yeah. a lot of the fans are like, but it's based on the Bible, and the problem is the the Bible does not have that many songs. Yeah. <laughs> No. Not that bit of the Bible. No. no, not that bit. Some pretty rocking female leads in the uh, Old yeah. Testament. Where's um, Lilith? <laughs> I just, it, I mean, as a piece, it has it has duality. Is something it's interested in, isn't it? It's interested in this kind of contrast between Judas and Jesus, and it had yeah. an opportunity to have two Marys, and it chose not to do that. But yeah. maybe we can't. It, what it did choose to do, especially like in the film, it had a really interesting, diverse cast. So it, yeah, totally. it, it did some really interesting things with its capacity at the time. But also because the score is so mental, why can't we be gender blind in the casting of it in the future, potentially? Mm. Yeah, I've had this conversation a few times. I don't know. There was a staged gender reversed reading Ooh. in New York two, three years ago that sounded amazing. And so there was one male part and 11 female parts. <laughs> Depends if you're going to stick to the original keys. Some yeah. Hmm. Written for men. But also, oh, it's a bigger conversation, isn't it? It because is. People, the other thing is, you know, people really love this show. Yeah. And so when you say, oh, why don't we do it like this? There's a lot of people who are like, no, 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 no. Don't change it. Yeah. Like, do it the way that I know and love it. And when I did it the first time round, it was extraordinary because it was an experience that you don't have often, well, that I hadn't had before in theatre which was that I'd walk out and um, there's going to be less people there now because of social distancing. Yeah. But originally Regent's Park sits 1,200 people, right? And I'd walk out and I'd sing my song and half the auditorium was singing along. Really? And you'd look out and you're kind of, you're doing your part and doing your acting and then 
you've got these diehard JCS fans in the audience and they've just come along, Tom, I see your face, they've just come <laughs> along and they love the album so much yeah. that then as a performer, you're kind of, um, you have to find the balance between, well, how can I do this in a way that's like authentic and also interesting and true to my style and my way of performing? And how can I also honour the lady who's paid £65 to sit in this seat for three hours because she wants to hear the album that she's listened to yeah. 100 times. And like, is there a way to do this where everyone can come away satisfied? Yes. Good and point. I think there is. Um, but it's, yeah. So I don't know how much, I don't know how much uh, dabbling with JCS is going to be. Ooh, exciting. I hate that. You hate people singing along. Ah, it's not a gig, is it? <laughs> Shut the fuck Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> They've hired well, you. I look forward to you attending shortly. And by the time you come and see JCS, I expect you to know all of the words off by heart. Fine. No, I want to see it fresh. I also think, I'm going to say it now. Ooh. I think you're going to love it. I think you'll love it. I think you're going to love it. Because it is just, if I were to sum it up in two words, I would say, high camp. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> It's completely, it's like, we're here, we're doing a rock opera, it's about Jesus, let's go. <laughs> You're like, hey, sure. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's appealed to me because it's quite early in the canon, isn't it, for yeah. LW, who it I love with every fibre of my being. Yeah. I understand. I come from an, a non-ALW household. Yes. Musically joyful, it's hard to sing, it's complicated, it's fun. Um, but it's funny, I think that's one of the funny things about acting isn't it whether it's theater or musical theater or whatever you end up if you've got family members or partners or friends who come and support you they wind up coming seeing stuff that they wouldn't ordinarily come and see yeah and my dad my dad came to see it he was very polite he really enjoyed the bar yeah. and then <laughs> he, he went home loved it. my mom came three times and she's already booked two tickets this time so, you know, you can't Amazing. please them all. Can't please them all. We need to book our tickets because yeah. people are going to be snapping them up. I will yeah. come and be more than polite. <laughs> no, you'll love it. You will love it. I'll be a few You'll seconds. love it. You can't help but be sucked in. By no, I reckon, it's, I reckon I'm really going to enjoy it. You will. So, you will. It's going to be great. Ah, oh, excited. If you haven't listened, listener, dear listener, go away and listen to part one of Janelle Monet when we loved out on her, but also spoke about where she came from and her sort of route to we've, we've got her basically to about the cusp of stardom and we're going to take her beyond the cusp beyond the cusp is a great like chapter title for isn't it something well, so we'll leave you listener on the cusp of a break when we return we'll get into janelle and we're back yay so where we left Janelle, she just self-financed the audition and it's going to fall into the hands of Big Boy from Outcast, which is, yeah. you know, as people to hear your first album, it's, it's pretty it handy, isn't it? Um, so he got, he put two of the tracks from the audition, Letting Go and a cover of DeBarge's Time Will Reveal on a compilation. And then Janelle appeared on the soundtrack to their film Idlewild. Do you remember Outcast made a film? <gasps> I didn't yeah. know that. When I was in Russia, long story, I only had, I'm giving away my age, but I had a discman. <laughs> sure. And I only brought six CDs and one of them was the Idlewild hey. soundtrack. Hey. Did you see the film? 
No, I just need it. the music. The music is amazing. The music's really good. Yeah. Well, Outcast. Yeah. They're, yeah. Right, you know? they're, they're incredible. Right. Oh. I got ditched watching Outcast. Uh, it was at Festival Aww. a long time ago. And I was like, Outcast, yes, please. And then everyone else sort of came along. And there was just loads of people that were like, when are they going to play Hey Yeah? And then they did. And then they all left. And I was like, I really like Outcast. I'm going to stay. So I ended up watching them. I feel like really musically. Um, I don't know them as well as I should. Like, apart from the Idlewild album, and then I got obsessed with Andre 3000 for a while. Yeah. And he, there's a lot of crossover with Janelle, really, in terms of, like, I'm sure you're about to go into this, <laughs> in terms of, like, um, you know, acting and mm. storytelling yeah. and narrative, like Idlewild as a concept album and then as a film and, like, the idea of mixing narratives and music. Yeah, down with it yeah we love it i think i I think it's a thing that when prince singles you out as well they have that in common andre 2000 and janelle it's like you're a kind of polymath you can write these narrative uh oral pieces that also cross over into film and stuff like yeah there's a sensibility that the three of them share for sure and hendrix but hendrix less so with the um yeah narrative i wonder if he would have ended up doing films yeah if he lived he was 27 club wasn't he 27 club mate yeah, yeah. so didn't have the time and andre 2000 played Jimi hendrix of course yeah yeah isn't that a strange film that i didn't see mm. it was quite controversial i believe um, it controversial? i can't remember was I... it about go on was it the friendship with the woman that was yeah it's something to do with that relationship that i think has been i, th- I think that the film portrays him as a bit of a it portrays some domestic abuse or it doesn't either way it either shows it or it doesn't show it and he did the opposite and he did the opposite yeah right. that's very unclear isn't it I would imagine it's possible that it didn't show it just yeah. in the grand scheme of things I doubt they made him out to be a domestic abuser sure. when he wasn't one yeah <laughs> it seems like a crazy thing to do yeah they like to erase that kind of thing when they're giving you a new hero right exactly yeah. you don't tend to put it into the narrative do you just to make them more interesting <laughs> like um I remember we used to have an Ike Turner quote stuck on a fridge somewhere that I lived oh. that was like he just said something awful like I never beat Tina but I did hit her so hard that she fell to the floor oh my god and you were like what do you what do you think that is? <laughs> which, which one of those? What? What? What's the difference there between those two things? Yeah, anyway. exactly. I mean, and Ike Turner, again, a controversial thing being the fact that he basically invented rock and roll <laughs> and it's yeah, really it's good. Whole... And was a real piece <laughs> of shit. Was a real piece of shit. Anyway, let's talk about Janelle. Janelle. Anyway. Good. Yeah. So this put her on the radar of Sean Puffy Coombs. He what is he do. right now? Did, did he? he? Well, you both said that with quite a lot of conviction. So, <laughs> that massive question mark. At Did the it? End. Write in, Sean. <laughs> Sean. Someone knows him as Sean. Maybe he's just come back. Mr. Coombs. Mr. Coombs. That's pretty weird. That's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and her dad had just got sober, and he came back into her life as well. So, kind of amazing year for her to be like, mm. I'm just coming into to focus as an artist, and my dad is sober, and we're having a relationship, which is unprecedented for us so good yeah. year yeah it's interesting circling back to what we were saying about um jcs though mm. because i don't know why i'm being such a debbie downer today i was so cheery <laughs> last time <laughs> welcome to the moods of anushka <laughs> in my own experiences and watching friends and then listening to that you're like it's still such a male dominated mm. space the music mm. industry and the fact that people would that she would that janelle's journey 
but this isn't a criticism because a great musician is a great musician mm. but the journey to be so enabled by one great male musician passing her on to a great male producer and then being supposed by another male musician and you're like it's just not men around but that's yeah. good they're not men and they did good things yeah anyway. it well it, exactly it's, it is a continuation of that that conversation isn't it it's like okay this has been achieved via male endorsement but it mm. has been achieved <laughs> it's like, it has been achieved yeah, yeah. And, and also i think yeah and it's complicated when it's art as well and yeah when those people and when it's black artists mm. and when it's just there are a lot of you know intersectionality guys intersectionality <laughs> and what's quite good is that she is taken on that mantle of furthering other people's careers so yeah yeah yeah, yeah she's being the prince or the puffy to yeah, exactly. other people's janelle because she's fabulous good. Yeah. Uh, but puffy hadn't actually signed her yet he sort of left her to it but he was aware of her uh, and he allowed her to release her first proper solo debut the chase in 2007 which was a theatrical mix of cabaret soul hip-hop new wave uh, and the first of four planned Metropolis suites based in the year 2719, <laughs> uh, in which she introduced the character Cindy Mayweather as the protagonist. Cindy! Oh, she's a door. These Metropolis suites. Obsessed with the film, right? <laughs> yeah. Has anyone seen the film? I've not seen it. I have seen the film. Have you seen the film? I saw it a long time ago. You've seen it? Long time ago. Ooh, it's got like that C3PO lady. That's correct. Yes. It's Fritz Lang. Fritz Lang. Very important film in the history of film, but obviously she's a big fan, <laughs> clearly. Or, or just something struck her about it. I mean, clearly something about the, maybe the, the look of it or the the style of it is... I'm quite futuristic about it, isn't Really it? chimed yeah. with her. And maybe the storyline as well, and the sort of proto falling in love with Android sort of thing. I think one of the things I really love about Janamine, and there are many, but one of the ones <laughs> I really love is that she, contradicting what I just said, like she did... It feels like she didn't want to compromise at at any point yeah. from quite early on. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at a lot of great artists and particularly great female artists, when they come through, often they come, you know, I'm thinking about like really um, basic, not basic, but like, you know, people like Pink or people yeah. like Gaga or... Yeah. You know, lots and lots of women get marketed in certain ways. And then when they are established, two or three albums in, they're like, so I actually want to sound like this. Yes. And you're like, that's great. I really like that. But because they had to compromise with the labels and whatever. And what I really like about Janelle is she never did that. No. She's like, so as my first EP, I want it to be like an ode to this strange film, Metropolis. And I want to incorporate sci-fi themes. And I want it to be theatrical. And I want it to cover these like eight genres of music. Yes. Mm. That seems very, um, I just think it's very cool. Also, I should mention that it's one of a quartet of albums I plan to release. Yes, exactly. Not even like, this is what I want this album to sound like. It's like, oh, I've got the next four planned out. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all based around this one concept. Uh, For those who haven't seen it, Metropolis is a uh, German expressionist science fiction drama directed by Fritz Lang, as I said. And Cindy in the albums is a sort of conduit for Janelle's unique blend of progressive funk, hip-hop, R&B, soul, and Afrofuturism. Um, Itasha Womack, filmmaker and author, defines Afrofuturism as the intersection between black culture, technology, liberation, and the imagination, with some Mm -hmm. mysticism thrown into it too. It can be expressed Mm -hmm. through film, it can be expressed through art, literature, and music. It's a way of bridging the future and the past, and essentially helping to reimagine the experience of people of colour. It's just an amazing point of view, isn't it? We've got this, as you say, female black artist who is 
combining all these incredibly complicated literary ideas and just not for one minute thinking that she needs to to compromise or dumb it down yeah I also think I find it particularly fascinating Afrofuturism Mm. fascinating and exciting and it's part of because of the ambitiousness of it and also because I think when you look at this is incredibly reductive and I am also guilty of this myself but I think when you look at um black art in mainstream spaces um I don't know how to say this it's it it can be um I think the ambition of Afrofuturism and the desire to be like I'm also going to do sci-fi and I'm going to do silly things and I'm going to stretch my imagination as a human as wide as a human imagination can go without being shackled to like trauma or the pain of the experiences that have come before and I think it it feels like historically you know if you go 40 50 years 60 years back black artists were expected to sing the blues expected mm-hmm. to sing the blues and to sing deep soulful jazz yeah. and to help us all experience our dark painful feelings and white artists were like you know look at david bowie and you're like i'm gonna write a song about the stars and you're <laughs> like that's right i really like it and so for a black artist to be like i'm gonna write a song about an alternative reality and I'm going to create an android and that's going to be a suite with loads of violins and everything that I do is going to be based on joy and on imagination is politically huge I think it's huge yeah which is not to discount you know Beyonce or Solange or Nina Simone everyone do what they should everyone should do what they do but I yeah, there's something so joyful about Afrofuturism. I love I it. I totally, I totally get what you mean. And I think there's a potentially an aspect of queer Afrofuturism as well that because she is, as we'll get into it later. I mean, her um, her gender is fluid, and she she identifies as queer. I would maybe put her in a category with someone like Octavia Butler, who yeah. creating literary sci-fi that is Afrofuturistic and the the experience of otherness but as you say yeah experimenting without without that 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 shackling to trauma is such an interesting way of putting it and so brave and non-commercial but also why the fuck shouldn't it be commercial these are great pop songs yeah i really agree and i think that's why you know when you go go back to what i was saying before and you think p diddy or prince or outcast you're like no wonder they responded the way that they did to that because it's so bold and it's also so and the other thing is at no point does she drop the ball musically yeah you know Mm. they're great songs she can sing they're well i think that the albums in my mind as you would expect like they become i wouldn't say better but they become clearer in terms of the music and the Mm. sound as they go on but they're good they're good from the beginning yeah it's like it's talent. It's recognisable talent, well put together. Absolutely. It's good. I love her. It's, she's so good. She's so great. I wanted to talk to you about alter egos, actually, because so we were, when we were talking about who we were going to talk about, I, I thought it was really interesting, actually, that two of the people you suggested were Prince and Bowie and obviously Janelle. So people yeah. who've used alter egos, you've got like Ziggy yeah. and Camille for, for Prince. And those two artists, obviously, like... The, probably two of the most important artists of all time didn't mm. start using alter egos until three albums deep at least like when Camille is the fir- first time we hear for Camille is 
it's after the revolution, isn't it? No, it's sign of the times. Is so like in in that in between period where mm-hmm. he's experimenting after huge commercial success and where Bowie's had ha, hunky dories happened, hasn't it? So he's he's hit. He's had a hit mainstream hit. Yeah, she is coming out off the bat with, "I'm going to tell this story through an alter ego." Yeah, what is it do you think that captivates us about musical alter egos? What what it, what is it that draws us in? Oh God, I think it fascinates us in the same way that like drag fascinates or mm. um, or or theatre in its own way. Like I think that we all have loads of things. I think that we all have a desire sometimes to be other to be different you know and I think that we act that out in different ways depending who we are I think you know I've been (laughs) I've been thinking a lot recently about how you know you're different with different people and so sometimes out with certain people and but like some of the reason that you want to hang out with those people is because you like yourself around those people or there's Mm. something that comes out with those people that doesn't come out with other people or I just went on a holiday with my family who I adore who adore me but my family's concept of who I am was kind of formed in the early 90s and hasn't been reviewed (laughs) after about a week you're like oh god I really want to hang out with people who I met in like 2015 because (laughs) other things yeah I think an alter ego gives you immediate it's also I'm going to say it guys it's the same thing I think with like sexual role play like it gives you immediate permission to be like well all these things that I don't normally do or I don't normally talk about I can do them now because I'm pretending to be xyz and actually they're as much a part of my human as my human self and experience as as possible and I also think you can go further you can say things and do things and experiment with things that people would be freaked out if mm. you tried to do those in your ordinary personality in an ordinary mm. space. But yeah. if you're wearing a costume and you've clearly stated at the beginning, this is a game, I'm going to play a game now. Yeah. Then people go with that. I think it's about freedom, basically. You know, yeah. I think you, it gives you, and I think we all know this as performers. I mean, you'll know this as actors as well, like even just the the reality of putting a costume on before you go on stage mm. part of a part of being able to be another person and I think I think that's related to it yeah, I don't know I agree I agree and that's yeah that I think that's the artistic impulse that that allow that, that uh, people like Prince and Bowie and Janelle want to do that but I think yeah. also just from a practical point of view it's probably really helpful because if you look at where pop music is in the pantheon of art it's pretty low down the list yeah like it's or it's perceived to be pretty low Mm. down the list and if you look where pop music's come from it's either just like formulaic pop that like gets brought Mm. out in such a way and you you croon about how you you love this person and then they you can't have them (laughs) like all you know all the old classic pop music from the 50s onwards basically or then you've got we still have this thing where we have pop stars singing and they sing these songs and you go or you're revealing something to me about yourself. You're saying, mm. this is who I am. And we've we've gone more and more and more into the personal aspect. So Harry Styles releases an album now. And you go, oh, this is about, yeah. you know, who he's just broken up with or whatever. Um, or it's about how he's hanging out with Stevie Nicks, um, which is great. Thank you, Harry Styles. But also he's, but also like, that, that new album is just banging. It's absolutely I'm banging. I'm 
I, it's incredible. One of the factors of deciding to stop dating someone was their disregard for Harry Styles. That's <laughs> absolutely like, correct. Fully well, valid. Don't worry about Harry Styles. <laughs> the fashion is everything. <laughs> right now that front cover that look oh Ugh. my god everything but also like so yeah so you, we're, we're sort of blocked into this idea that pop stars have to do that mm. whereas actually like to go uh, so like a writer writes a book they write it in first person but it's not the writer so you don't go oh this is so and so yeah like why are they talking like they're a, a woman when they're a man or whatever mm. no one questions that because it's a narrative point of view whereas pop doesn't have that mm. An overlap, I'm just thinking when you said that last point, there is an overlap with uh, certain writers. I'm thinking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Michaela Cole. Mm. Thinking there are there are spaces where playwrights and screenwriters write kind of first-person narratives and then everyone expects them to keep writing those first-person narratives. Or mm. And I think that's the same divide. But um, And I don't really have a point about it, but no, it was it, just another that came into my head. It's a good but point. The other yeah. I also think, um, I totally agree, and it's very narrow, you know, and mm. I also think from my own incredibly limited, but but it's been a decade of like circling around the edges of the music industry. I think there's also a huge amount of fear that comes from the marketing departments of record mm. labels. And so they spend quite a lot of time and quite a lot of money creating a persona that is going to be marketable yeah and i'm sure it was different in the 60s and 70s but also the where we are now has come from that so that there would be a relationship and so i think as an artist an alter ego is a way a way around that a way around going you know i know that i've signed for this doesn't really happen anymore but i know that i've signed for like three albums with yeah. you and the first album has been this but actually I've made this alter ego and the alter ego is going to be what's happening on the third album. So can I do that instead? And then perhaps if you can build a whole marketing brand around that, you can, you can keep going. I really think, I think it's about free artistic freedom. Yeah. And only final thing I also think is, um, it's the, it's theatrical. Like one of the things that I was thinking when we were doing the first diva questions and when, you know, Bowie and Prince are two of my all time favorite musicians mm. and same with Kate Bush and there is a like and Janelle Monet and there is a fundamental theatricality yeah. that runs mm. through their songwriting and their performance that makes them different which is kind of a hint of what I see in Harry Styles yeah yeah <laughs> that Definitely. makes it different to no offense to Niall or Liam Payne <laughs> they're lovely I've got a lot of time for their pop songs Pillow Talk was great I'm There's saying, something yeah. I see in Harry Styles that he's like trying for, but it's what I see in Janelle and Bowie and Prince, where I'm like, "There's theatricality going on here." Yeah, in the definitely. Way and he's gradually breaking out of the mold that he's been put in and finding that. So it is quite disorientating to see him do it, and it's not quite formulated. Mm. We're watching him do it, as opposed to Janelle, who came out and went, "This is who I am. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm also a robot." And everyone but went, which "Great." Also, which is also about how this how how success has happened right because mm. the Harry Styles has been on this whichever one he was on and then it was yeah, like yeah cookie cutter yeah you're famous now you're 16 and so then you have to reinvent yourself publicly whereas Janelle's route is is kind of more organic I'm sure mm -hmm. at the time it felt very frustrating <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, um, when is everyone going to realize I'm should be in one direction <laughs> but I think that enables you to kind of incorporate more yes yeah it's interesting it is it is and and actually she did 
she's never quite had, you know, she's, your man on the street might not necessarily know Janelle Monáe. She's not no. ever like had the, the number one album, whatever. But she no. did, this is probably as close as she got early doors. Remember Tightrope? Yeah. Yeah, great song. When I, the other day I was talking to someone about our first podcast and yeah. they were like, oh yeah, she did Tightrope. Yes. And everyone knows Tyrope is such a good song. It's a mm. fucking great song. It's on my, I've got five songs. I said five really confidently. I've got a bunch of songs that, you know, when you like have to psych yourself up to do something a bit different. Yeah. And it's, it's one of them. It's yeah. such a good song. Bad Boy re-released The Chase and the second and third suites of Metropolis were issued together as parts of the Arch Android album in May 2010. The album debuted at number 17 on the Billboard 200, received Grammy noms for Best Contemporary R&B Album and Best Urban Alternative Performance, the latter for lead single Tightrope. Absolute banger. So Janelle's fabulous uniform, the black tuxedo, natural pompadour-esque hairstyle, which she coined the Monet, uh, all presented this facade of fierce professionalism. And she began to answer interviewers probing into her personal life with the stock response that she only dates androids. So she emerged from behind Cindy eventually to duet with Fun on their multiple Grammy-nominated number one, We Are Young. And was back in her cyberverse in September 2013 with her second full-length, The Electric Lady. Now I'm clicking, but I don't know if you can hear it. Yes. yes. I love, th- this is my, I, I think it's my favourite of her albums. It's hands down my favourite of her albums. Oh, and so it is the album where I first heard Janelle Monáe. <gasps> in 2013. I don't remember how or where this happened. I mean, I was aware of Tightrope. Yeah. And then I was also aware of We Are Young, but I didn't realise she was on it. Yeah. 2013, something happened where the album... I, don't know how, I really don't know how it happened. Basically, I heard the album and was like, what is this? Yeah. Who is this? This is unbelievable. It sounds like a classic. I think that's what it's just got that yes. vibe about it. You're like, and it does obviously feature some incredible classic musicians. Yeah, it's got Prince, Solange, and Erica Badu on the first five tracks. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, <laughs> It's something about the expansiveness of the record as well. The vision, the idea—it's and and obviously there's a, a a very pronounced nod to Hendrix being you know Electric Ladyland yeah. vibe, but yeah. it, it's for me it's Prince's little purple footprints all over it. Totally, and it sounds like it sounds like Prince, but I think my dad and I actually, my dad's like an old old rocker, and the first time I played him Janelle, he was like, "Oh, this is just rip off Prince," and sure. I was like, "Well." Yes and no, because it's actually just like taking the mantle of the music that Prince has been making and like continuing it. Yes. Also, Prince is endorsing it and he's on it. So is that off? I don't know. Um, But I agree with you about the expansiveness Mm. because I think what I remember hearing the strings on the opening on the Overture Suite and being like, what's this? Who's put all these violins on a pop record? And then it's like this beautiful opening sweeping space and then it goes into this into this pop space and then into this talking space and it's so um like dense yeah. and brave yes. and it's so it's not just one sound. By the time mm. you get half the third song, you've heard a whole bunch of different genres and different approaches to recording. Yeah. It's so cool. And also, like I said on the last time, like it was I think what hooked me to it was that it was a concept album. Yeah. And I hadn't heard a concept album maybe ever. 
um, which is funny because actually I think maybe the only other concept album I was vaguely aware of was Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> ah! which I'm now about to perform. Look at that! You must do Tommy, uh, the Who, Tommy. Yeah. So Tommy, yeah. we watched. Um, Tom, you're really adamant that you don't want us to sit in Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for American Idiot before I go. <laughs> Tommy has scared the shit out of me. My yeah. mum made me watch it when I was 13 and I was like, I don't wanna I don't wanna watch it. It's so dark. I like that very she made dark. you very watch good, it. But it's very dark. Yeah. She sit you down like Clockwork Orange and like Yeah. Yeah. My mum my mum and her brother made me and my sisters and my cousins watch Tommy. My mum's got very dark choice yeah. She also like woke me up when I was sixteen so I could come down and watch the omen. Oh. And then she wow. was like, Let's watch the shining, it's so fun. She's <laughs> strange one. <laughs> she's like a brilliant woman. Sounds incredible. Anyway, um, yes, Electric Lady. Yeah. And also, the first time I saw her, because she came, <sighs> I um, I was working with a producer at the time, and we both really loved her. And he was like, oh, I've got tickets to see her at Brixton Academy. Do you want to come? <sighs> so I was like, yes, I do. And we went to see her. Brixton Academy 2013 that summer and it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And she'd just been supporting Prince before the, the circa that release. So she must have been like just even more. Obviously, she's theatrically trained. She's a, she's a naturally charismatic person. But when you've been up that up close and personal with one of the greatest live performers of all time. Yeah. It was insane. It was and exactly like all the, the thread that's been running through, which is why I love her, of her theatricality. Like it was the first thing I think I've ever seen, which was there was like a set design yeah. and the costumes were there was a she came out um where in a straight she was wheeled out in a straight jacket as though you were in a asylum and then all the other instrumentalists were playing doctors and then she kind of burst into music and then broke the shackles of the mental asylum and it was huh. like the whole bunch of stuff going on <laughs> it was so pleasing to watch it was Oh, it was just glorious. Amazing. And I think that's what I love about the album as well. It's like, yeah, there, there's that inclu- incredibly revolutionary idea, like that straight jacket thing, like that is her concept. But it also has roots in other people's work as well, which she's not denying are, that are there. And no. it's, like the record itself feels like almost a concept album across Prince's career because you've got bits that sound like the revolution. You've got bits that sound yeah. like uh, even earlier stuff like the, his collaborations with the time and then like diamonds and pearls era kind of soul. Oh, i know i love it that that duet with miguel is amazing right i was about to say that what is it called uh prime time yeah mm-hmm. oh. miguel, i think that maybe that was the first thing that i heard and it's so slow and yes. it's so sensual and it's so yeah it's funny okay i'm gonna say something else that's quite controversial okay I think also what I like about Janelle is, uh, which is similar to Prince, I wouldn't describe them as vocalists. Mm. As it's not like when you go and listen to Adele or when you listen to maybe even Amy Winehouse, where you're like, the thing that I'm really interested in here is like the way that this performer is going to sing the song and yeah. everything else is behind that. When you listen to Janelle Monet the the voice and the because she's not Adele she's got a fantastic voice but it's not yeah. that kind of belty round sound the voice is like part of the band it's yes. like everything is mixed kind of 
more equally and so it's this kind of full immersive musical yeah. experience That's and i guess I because prince like transcends so many different octaves like, yeah in terms of where he can place his voice it's the same thing yeah. it's like his voice is an extension of his guitar yeah or a piano yeah. totally. it's not really like prince does have a very unique sounding voice but he's largely like he often does impressions of other people like mm-hmm. he'll do like a little richard impression yeah. or he'll put in like yeah uh, sort of james brown like sometimes he'll mix in or like any any of his influences he'll like throw or sly stone like and he'll throw those in there but actually like it's only because vocally he can pretty much hit any note he wants yeah. <laughs> and it's not it's actually irrelevant what the ta- the timbre of his voice yeah. is and i guess Chanel's quite similar like she can hit all the vokes yeah but she's not trying to make it sound like when i saw her at brixton academy she was pitch perfect oh my god like note to note she did not like every single and that's what i mean where you're like this voice is an instrument yeah and it is related to i mean obviously all vocalist voices are instruments but the precision of the way that she Mm. sings and the precision of where she places her voice is working with the band and is working with the overall sound and with the overall concept and there's it's not like and I say this as someone who is quite ego-driven in the way that I sing, is not so ego-driven in the way that she's singing. It's like, what is the best way for this song to come out, including the strings and the trumpet and the bass and yes. the drum, yeah. my voice and the words? It's, it's glorious. And if you watch people like that, like her and like Prince, and like the, uh, live performances, you will often see them drop in and out of vocal lines. Mm, like sometimes yeah. like you watch like, maybe the Super Bowl's a really good example for someone like mm-hmm. Prince. Like mm-hmm. you, there's so many moments when he's playing a song and he just drops. Stop. It's not like he's moving away from the mic. He just stops. He just doesn't sing that line for no reason. Yeah. Or he'll just be like, he'll just replace a line with like a yeah or whatever. Mm. But then like drop and back also- in wherever he needs to because he knows that, that at that point in the live, whatever everyone's doing, he doesn't need to be singing. Exactly. Yeah. It's total confidence in the mu- And it's actually, it's probably also, <laughs> it's probably also like control freakery. Yeah. Like yeah. you've probably, you know, you've probably directed every other part of this so efficiently that you know that you don't need to do your bit now because the 20 other people on stage with you are doing right. so clearly what they need to be doing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. It's very, very cool. So Janelle moved Wonderland to Epic and released Wonderland Presents The Ephius, a various artists EP featuring her song Yoga and Jadena's platinum Love single. Yoga! Classic man. Yoga. I haven't heard yoga. It's great. Yeah, because it's quite naughty. Yeah. And it's, all, it's like uncharacter. Well, before you get to like pink and stuff yeah. like that. It's kind of uncharacteristically naughty when she's been in Android land for quite a long time. Exactly. I think it's a real transition, this EP. I think she's breaking out because it's when she starts to be much more vocal in terms of her activism. Um, yeah. Because it's got what um, hell are you talking about on it? that yeah. uh, oh, which is if anyone hasn't heard it please do look it up uh, the lyrics of the chanted names of black americans murdered by police and vigilante groups followed by say his name or say her name and mm-hmm. it's just it's so incredibly powerful and it's so removed from the kind of i am an alter ego i am an android i'm being clean and and very kind of precise it's 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 her anger coming out which is so persuasive and um it coincides with the trump era and she imagine could... that, yeah imagine <laughs> it's almost as if she had something to be I really cross about i wonder what brought her around that i don't know <laughs> i don't know why she was inspired to create femme the future an organization which aims to provide more opportunities for women in music <laughs> women oh. the trump era it's ex- yeah it's it's i think maybe now that you've said that i wonder if one of the reasons i love janelle is because her own personal journey of political activism yeah it, 
kind of mirrors doesn't mirror mine but as in kind of the, the growing awareness that you're implicated right yeah so she's like, in the public eye I'm exploring these philosophical ideas yeah. interesting in their abstracts and then slowly being like well actually they're not abstracts <laughs> and yeah. I'm in society and this is what's going on in society and maybe I should be a little bit more vocal about it absolutely 100% yeah um she performed at the women's march in 2017 uh, and then whilst introducing Kesha at the Grammys, she told the crowd, we come in peace, but we mean business. And I think that's exactly what you mean. you're saying. It's like, okay, I'm still being true to what I've established as an artist, but I'm going to use this platform in a different way now. Yeah. And I think that her, I think what's really exciting about Janelle is that anyone who's paid attention to her career for five or 10 years, it's such a natural progression because none of the things that she is talking about are surprising yeah you know like we're like what you're queer or like what black but um but it feels like she has waited until she is comfortable sharing those things and everyone's responded everyone who is a fan of hers has responded with just joy at seeing we're paying attention to be like i'm now comfortable talking about this or i now want to to stand and talk about this she's yeah it's really cool well because i saw her again Am I about to preempt something you're about to say? No, no, tell me. I saw her again at Wembley last year uh, um, with our other mutual friend, Jess Edwards, was uh, there. Queen. We didn't come together. We just both happened to be there. Amazing. Um, and that was really interesting, seeing her at Wembley, having seen her at Brixton Academy like six mm. years earlier. And then there were so many things that were the same in terms of like she was always precise. She was always excellent the music was always banging but you could really feel the step up and she was you know that she talked a lot about love about uh trump about politics about feminism about um queer identity in between of her in between her songs and there was just they felt like there was more joy and more conviction in the way that she was presenting herself it was so good that's incredible it was the best gig i went to last year and I went to see Michael Bublé, guys. So Hello. <laughs> she trumped Mickey Bubbles, guys. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> but isn't that interesting as well? Like, okay, last year, obviously, she was post-Dirty Computer, which we'll talk about in a second. But, like, this journey of this evolution of self-expression has mm. coincided with her also becoming an actress, mm. which is, again, quite similar yeah. to your journey. Yeah. I too am in movies with Mahershala Ali. (laughs) I think there's something about, I suppose, um, again, talking from like a much smaller space of making music at a much smaller level. I think one of the things that is also perhaps a journey just as a person is my early career, my early 20s was spent kind of trying to get a record deal and feeling like I was doing it wrong mm-hmm. and trying to fit in and trying to work out why people were like, this is too jazz or this is too pop or I don't like this or, you know, you're not sexy enough or you're too sexy or you're not brown enough or you're too brown or blah, blah, blah. And I think there was this notion in my head that there was one perfect way that I could be that would mean that I would be successful. Yeah. And then I think I grew up <laughs> like, <laughs> The reality is there's not. And also these multiple things that people are telling me I need to melt down into one marketable entity are all a part of who 
I am and a part of how I want to present myself. And so I do want to write songs and I want to act in things and I want to compose music for shows and I want to like do all these different things and they're not going to cancel each other out. They're actually all going to feed into each other. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with Janelle where you look at her and the more she's embraced all of the different creative parts of herself that she wants to explore and learn from, the more her artistry growth absolutely and it's such a joyful thing to show yeah. as well yeah you know you think about I mean I am inspired looking at her yeah and then you, you look at and it's the same as as I'm going back now because it's just because I'm watching so much I may destroy you <laughs> it's like <laughs> the same as Michaela Cole or the same as um Phoebe Waller-Bridge I think a lot of these not that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to release a pop album anytime soon I don't think fingers <laughs> I think the creative industries historically have been very threatened mm. by the idea that people are going to do multiple things. Absolutely. And I more than one record label tell when I did Jesus Christ Superstar the first time, I was halfway through recording my first album and someone told me from quite a big record label, don't do that show because we will not be able like no one will be able to sign you as a pop artist if you've done Jesus Christ Superstar. Fuck. And I was like, but I at the same time I was like, I'm skin. I'm being offered yeah you know, X hundred pounds a week to perform every day and learn from other musicians. Like I want to do this, and I'm also still writing the songs that are on my album, yeah. so I'm pretty sure I'm not going to cancel it. And yeah, and I think a lot of my friends have encountered that in different ways. Like, oh, you're not, you know, you're not a writer. You're an actress. Yeah. Or, and and actually seeing people do multiple things mm. just inspires you to be I don't know just I think most artists do do multiple things absolutely and it doesn't matter the other things I think like as, I think as as long as the work that you're creating yeah. is of quality I don't give a shit if you've written five novels and you're suddenly tap dancing yeah. if the tap dancing's good like exactly yeah. Michaela Cole as well started I mean she's she, she's a polymath and yeah, I mean she's totally. she was a poet did a performance poetry and then a writer also an actor a comedian like it's not yeah. I don't think she really says what I, she is when I first came across Michaela Cole she was performing like a mixture of spoken word and music what and, like, yeah, yeah. at mic nights in back rooms of pubs in Dalston like she performed years. at the O2 did she? Yeah, she did her um, spoken word video too. She's a really good one. She wrote the theme tune to um, Chewing Gum, I think. No way! I can't remember the but theme tune. But she, you know, you kind of, and you look at, you know, our mutual friend Jess Butcher, yeah. who is an actress, but then she was like, I'm going to write a play. And, and I think, I don't know how to explain this. I think that the, the more people are willing to embrace, because it's also about learning, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Going into spaces where you can learn yeah. makes you grow. And then when you grow, you make better art. Yeah, so, mm. absolutely. Yeah. So what Holly was referring to about the acting thing is in 2016, she starred in two of the most important films that came out that year. Uh, the Oscar-nominated Hidden Figures, which is the story of the forgotten black women in the space race. And Moonlight, the first LGBTQIA story and the first with an all-black cast to win Best Picture. She credits these roles with providing her with the realisation that she may need to give more of her private self in her art, which is interesting mm. what you were saying in terms of, yeah, that she's pulling that all together and kind yeah. of she's publicly learning about herself mm -hmm. and yeah. about how she is going to be a better artist moving forward and obviously she is because she is just about to release 
dirty computer. <laughs> also, and... we haven't said she's a really good actress. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see Moonlight or Hidden Figures. She's brilliant. Yeah. You're like, I cannot believe that you haven't ever done this before because you're such a natural performer and yeah. like leave your character instantly i've seen people who've been to drama school and acted for 10 years and i've been less convinced by their performance exactly mm. she's just one of those people isn't she that she has natural compelling and authentic charisma she has like sometimes you see someone you're like like i think it's why a lot of people are snippy about mt acting because sometimes it just looks very charismatic and very well put together but you don't believe it she yeah. has this this raw energy that's polished but also believable yeah yeah, and I find it interesting. Sorry, I'm jumping. With, I find it interesting what you said about authenticity, mm. because that definitely echoes my experience of starting to act. You know, the first time I mm. acted, I was 28, wow. and I'd been singing since I was. I'd been singing publicly since I was 17. So I'd been singing, I'd been gigging for 11 years and then I was suddenly in a show when I was 28, and then 28, 29, 30, 31, I was in on stage in shows yeah I feel like I really understand what Janelle means because I realized that you weirdly I always thought acting was like pretending (laughs) (laughs) and when you do acting you're like oh my god this is the opposite of pretending I have to be more honest than I am most of the time and that definitely fed back into my performing as a musician yeah and I think it's reflected in that album, isn't it? Because like the the kind of the glossiness of the earlier work is now raw and sexual. Yeah. And um, so it's it's an emotion picture as well, which I think because we always we listen to it more than we watch it probably. But yeah, we were watch it in my flat the other day because it's like Did a forty six video, but we we ended up not watching it. So that's a terrible story. <laughs> you should watch it. Tessa Thompson's in it, who is potentially her partner. She's also so hot. Oh my that's god, so <laughs> stunning. And I mean, and this is obviously where Janelle feels like she needs to reaffirm her queerness. So she said to Rolling Stone, being a queer black woman in America, someone who's been in relationships with both men and women, I consider myself to be a free ass motherfucker. (laughs) What a coming out. Amazing. And we had lost Prince uh, in 2016. He didn't collaborate on Dirty Computer, but those purple poor prints are still all over it. However, worth mentioning, he did not, as has been speculated, uh, co-write Make Me Feel. Uh, despite the kiss-like guitar riff that it had on she it. She wrote that on her own. Yeah. She did, yeah. And speaking of her sense of loss when she was asked about Prince, uh, she said, as we were writing songs, I was like, what would Prince think? And I couldn't call him. It's a difficult thing to lose your mentor in the middle of a journey they'd been part of. Oh, mm. so horrible. Makes me feel... Yeah. It was... Um, probably I lived on top I lived in the flat in Dalston for two years and I lived on top of these fantastic people who also work in theatre and they there was a period of time where they were consistently playing the Les Mis album (laughs) and I was consistently playing Make Me Feel by Janelle Monae over and over again and I feel like I probably owe like a postcard of apology to everyone who lived (laughs) the mild May area of Dalston (laughs) because I had such a I had such a guttural reaction to that song and that video. Um, I think also being a bit queer myself, I was like, yes, yes, that's what, that's the thing. That's <laughs> what it is. It's the way you make me feel. And you can be any kind of person. It doesn't matter. And it, um, it's, it's glorious. And the video is so fun and it's so sexy. And it's also so unapologetic, but not, 
aggressive, which I think is something that she does really, yes. really masterfully, where she's like, this is who I am. And I don't know if it's because I identify with a few things from her identity, but she's very, um, it doesn't feel like she's angry about it or she sh- she's like, this is who I am and I'm going to sing a song about it now. Yeah. And mm. I'm not threatening your existence with it. I'm just celebrating sex and love yeah. and joy and music. That's what she said earlier at the uh, Grammys when she said, we come in peace, but we mean business. Yeah. Right? She's like, I'm not threatening you, but this is important. Yeah. So you yeah. need to listen. Yeah. Um, but also uh, she said that that record, that particular record, uh, Dirty Computer, she wants to be a rallying cry to all the other dirty computers out there. She used the hashtag I'm non-binary in January this year, uh, but she has clarified that this was a statement of support. Uh, I tweeted the hashtag I am non-binary hashtag in support of non-binary day and to bring more awareness to the community she said i retweeted the steven universe meme are you a boy or a girl i'm an experience because it resonated with me especially as someone who has pushed boundaries of gender since the beginning of my career yeah yeah it's it's so it's funny i've had a lot of conversations about this and especially from the different work i do and then like the developments of my own personal life but i think when it comes i think when it comes to identity identity in general whether it's about gender or um sexuality or sex or race i've only kind of latterly realized how talking about it publicly is important because it's beneficial to the people who are watching and i definitely feel like weirdly like this is not something i talk about publicly very often but i do think like my own queerish awakening you know seeing Janelle Monet talking about it more openly two three years ago I was like oh maybe I'm gonna talk about this more openly or like explore yeah. it a bit or whatever and and I think and then you kind of like carry that mantle and I think there's the same thing with people being like I am a woman and this is what it means and I am black and this is what it means and I think having those conversations happening publicly and having someone who's comfortable exploring that public like she's obviously waited until she's comfortable to talk about it but she also has evolved over the last five years and that makes space for people to look at it and be like maybe I can evolve yeah thank you so much for sharing that and I (laughs) I think that's exactly what she wants to happen isn't it she really wants people to to I I you know you can't be what you can't see and she is putting that out there yeah and I think it's an interesting time politically because I, I guess, mm. m- especially right now with Trump and Boris oh, and the world, I think a lot of, I think it's, I'm kind of very happy to live at a time where a lot of celebrities are understanding that their platform has an impact on their mm. followers and are using it wisely. Definitely. And actually JK Rowling, obviously, but. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> less wisely and that's a shame for them yes and the same for their followers because you have a bloody responsibility but anyway let's not get into it it's so true but also i think what's really interesting about janelle is that she so when she came out and said i'm non-binary and everyone went oh okay we've got to call her they them and she's like no you don't like i'll tell you because we because of everything we're all trying to figure some things out about how we incorporate non-binary into into the lexicon but it's really important also i think to remember that non-binary does not necessarily mean a they them pronoun so it's interesting that she's again brought that to the fore in her sort of conversation yeah when i saw her at wembley she was so um so she talked a lot about 
she talked and she played you know and that was the other thing it's like yeah. it wasn't like a whole heavy serious we're here to talk about identity and we're here to talk about sexuality it was like we're here to get down and we're yeah. here to have fun we're here to drink beer and we're here to like shake our booties and then we're also while we're here we're going to talk a little bit about what the things are we all have in common like we all love people and we all want freedom and like these are the things and it was really um yeah i want to say wholesome even though yeah. i'm sure like and i'm sure that an older right-wing person wouldn't necessarily have considered that concept wholesome <laughs> but i find it very wholesome I love that. That is wholesome. That's what people are missing, isn't it? Yeah. On that side of the debate, they're going, they're missing that these things are about celebration and about love and about positive things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and yet about... they seem to think that that is somehow evil yeah. and destroying things when actually it's building things. It is, and it's building community, I think, which yeah. is the whole point that we're making. Like the point that Janelle, with her following, and, and this is true of anyone, like whether you're Taylor Swift, we've all seen the same thing with Taylor Swift as she's come out as yeah. a Democrat. And, and like, I think you know, massive divas and idols and celebrities have massive followings. And even if that following is like a whole bunch of people who are isolated and on their own in their kitchen, they are a community. Because as soon as all the same people love the same thing, you're a community. So then kind of sharing that love and opening it up and being like, look at us, we're all together, we all love the same thing. Yeah. How can that ever be a bad thing? I don't know. It can't be. And, and yeah. yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I say that. I was watching Trump rallies this morning. Oh. And sometimes when people come together and they all love the same thing, it's not great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. less of them being allowed to gather in spaces. Yeah, historically, that's sometimes worked out quite badly, <laughs> hasn't it? So a decade since Janelle's debut, she is happy to meet the public halfway and give them enough of herself in her music, her films and her activism, but stands as an icon of empowerment and queer black excellence. Amazing. I love her! We love her! My dad... Darling, this has been the most fun. I just, oh, I just love just talking to you. Time. I just Thanks, love I you. Love that you guys let me interject with very long winding statements that I haven't thought through before I start them. Really intelligent, articulate things to say. Yes, please. Yes, you're welcome to them. We, I mean, this. Thanks, one, we'd call this section plugs and hugs. So we're going to plug your album, babe. Where can people? Yeah, please do. Yeah, where do we find it? My album Dark Soul is available, well, it's available across all streaming sites. You can also download it across all the places where you can download things. However, if you really want to support me, the most efficient thing you could do would be to go on a website called Music Glue and look look up Anushka Lucas Music Glue and you can order a vinyl or a CD and it will come directly to your house. I'll even sign it. Sometimes I think you can click on signed ones. so that's the first plug. And then the second plug is obviously if you've got a free evening or afternoon between August 14th and September 27th, come see me be Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar. We'll be there. We'll be there multiple times. And honey pay. Yes, please. Um, um, thank you so much for having me you. on. Thank you. It's been lots of fun. It's been so great. I love you so much. You are wonderful. I I'm really looking forward to your Prince episodes and your... Yes. Kate Bush episodes whenever someone steps up to that. Yes, please. And well, like we... we said, I think we'll do we'll do Prince that we're doing Madonna, right? Yeah, we'll do them in, definitely. Do them in periods, and then maybe get you back on for a, yeah. a particular period of Prince. I would like that a lot. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did, and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Janelle-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you. You can tweet us at Diva Energy, find us on Instagram at Big Diva Energy, or Facebook at Big Diva Energy Pod. 
or email us at bigdivaenergypod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If we had you on a tightrope, then don't forget to like and subscribe. If you think we're dirty computers in need of a reboot, get, get in, in the, the sea! sea! Love you. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.